Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Vineyard. My name is Liz. I am one of the associate pastors here on staff, and I am glad to be with you this morning. So we've been in this series called Spirit and Life, and this is week two of that series where we are discovering um, more about the Holy Spirit. And um, what's really awesome, I think, is that uh, we're kind of covering this across the board. So um, our youth back there in the Life Center are learning about the Holy Spirit, and our kids are going to be learning about the Holy Spirit. Um, so I'm excited just that it's our whole community kind of diving in to um, who the Holy Spirit is and what he has for our life. Um, and I think it's important that a few times a year we sync up on uh, just learning about the same thing and growing as a community. I hate to wait. I really, really do. And I will try to avoid it by <laughs> maximizing my efforts while, you know, if I, if I have to wait, I will try to make it um, as productive as possible or... I will try to minimize the amount of time that I have to spend waiting in general at all. And I might regret sharing the insides of my brain and this game that I play with waiting, um, but I do suspect that our culture at large might um, have a problem with this too. And I, I like to, to think that I'm conquering waiting, you know, that it doesn't have the upper hand. Because our culture is very, um, you know, we want things instant and quick, and we don't like to wait. We want immediate gratification, right? We're always looking for the faster, better way to do things. So hopefully I'm not alone in that struggle. Um, but my oldest daughter went to kindergarten this year, and it is my job every day to pick her up from carpool. And carpool is not the amount of people that you have stuffed into your car going somewhere. Although my car is pretty full, it carpool is the painful process of waiting in traffic to get to the school. And then I sit in an, an eternal line of cars where I then pick up my daughter in a car. That is what carpool is. And <coughs> every day I play a, a game with the waiting of carpool. So, for instance, I will try to calculate the best time for me to leave my house that I, so that I can get the most done and fit the most in. So if I can pull it off, I will leave my house really early and get both of my children to nap in the car while we drive and the trafficy, you know, all that stuff to get there. And then I sit in the carpool line for about 20 minutes waiting for school to get out. And they're napping during that time too. And this is like a slice of heaven, right? So I read a book or I listen to a podcast. It's peaceful. It's quiet in my car. I pick up my daughter and we're on our way. Okay, the other scenario is if we nap at home, then I will wait till the last possible minute to wake up my kids, feed them, throw them in the car, 
and then we drive to carpool and I'm like the I'm not sitting in the 20 minutes line I'm just kind of rolling in through the line those last few cars that are coming to pick up their kids and I skip the whole waiting process altogether what I don't like to do is just like leave straight smack dab in the middle of that and wait my 20 minutes while I have a cranky toddler and a crying baby and nothing <laughs> felt like it got accomplished except waiting one right and does all this planning and scheming every day does it add that much value to my life no what it does show it illustrates the point that we don't like waiting because we like to be in control of our lives right it's our time it's our life and I want to be in control of that we like to be the little mini gods of our life and the aversion to waiting can be problematic when it comes to our faith, when it comes to living out our faith. Because our faith is often characterized by waiting, right? It's characterized by seasons of waiting on God to give us answers, to show us the next step, to do this thing in our life. Right, so we have to be patient and wait on God, and often with uncertainty as well. So if we want more in our faith, and we want more of God, we want to feel more of his presence, we want more power, more help, more love, more peace, I think that we need to take a look at the role of waiting. Because waiting is also an essential element in experiencing more of the Holy Spirit. So after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he came back to be with his disciples, right? He, he um, revealed himself to them. He shows them the scars on his hands. He shows them the, the proof of what just happened at the crucifixion. And the disciples are in awe of this, you know, and they get to spend time eating with him. And they listen to more of his teachings on the kingdom of God. And they're probably just, you know, soothing their own wounds from the traumatic events of the crucifixion and just enjoying time with Jesus. So they spend about 40 days together. And then it comes time for the ascension, for Jesus to go back to the Father. And if I were one of the disciples, I wouldn't have liked the thought of that because, you know, it's like they just got their shepherd back. I mean, it seemed like the worst of it was over, right? We just went through that crazy time of the crucifixion, and then we're finally back with you, Jesus. And now we get to do that stuff, you know, where you set up the kingdom, and you kind of take charge and take over, and all's going to be good. But that wasn't the plan. Jesus actually tells them, it is better for me to leave so that you can receive the helper who will always be with you. So the Holy Spirit was the one that was going to continue the work of Jesus on earth through the hearts of the disciples. This was going to be a multiplying kingdom. Okay, the Holy Spirit was going to be multiplying the kingdom through the disciples. 
And the disciples are going to have direct access to God the same way that Jesus had direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. And they were going to experience the life of Jesus like he experienced it on earth with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says in John 16, 4 through 7, I didn't tell you this earlier because I was with you every day. But now I am on my way to the one who sent me. Not one of you has asked, where are you going? Instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So let me say it again, this truth. It's better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. I want that friend. I want to experience that friend that Jesus is talking about. The friend that's going to fill me with strength the friend that's going to fill me with joy, with new purpose here on earth. I want to experience the power that Jesus had here on earth because the spirit of the living God was in him, the friend. And that friend can is be inside of us too. So why does it matter that we have the Holy Spirit? Why does it matter that we have this friend inside of us? Because we can't do it otherwise. We will end up in all kinds of mess if we don't fully rely on the Holy Spirit to live out our faith. We are not God. And so we're going to mess it up if we try to take on the role of God while living out our faith. You know, that's how we produce dysfunction. All kinds of striving and performance happens. So how do we rely more on the Holy Spirit? How do we get more of this Holy Spirit inside of us? Well, before Jesus leaves to ascend up to heaven, he tells them how they're going to have the Holy Spirit. And he tells them, wait. Wait? Wait, 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 what? Wait, wait a minute. We're waiting? Jesus is God. He can do anything. You know, like back before the world was created and it was just him and God and the Holy Spirit, you know, he spoke and boom, things came into being. So why can't we just do some of that? Like, you know, Jesus speaks and like the Holy Spirit comes, and we can just get him before you even leave, and it just can be this nice transaction, and we don't even have to skip a beat. This is where, like, if I were a disciple, I might start, like, an adult tantrum. All kinds of grumbling, you know, because I told you about how good I'm wait- I am at waiting earlier, right? But in Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the Father promised. The promise you heard from me, John baptized in water, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and soon. He commands them to wait. Don't you go anywhere until the Spirit comes on you, period. Huh. That is puzzling. I mean, what's the benefit for them to wait? Well, Alan Craft writes this book called More, When a Little Bit of the Holy Spirit is Not Enough. And he says this, in other words, don't leave home without the Spirit. 
This command highlights the fact that the disciples were not in control of their situation. They were not calling the shots. Jesus was. The waiting in Jerusalem speaks of their absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus wanted them to know that they could not possibly accomplish the mission on their own. So the command to wait was fueled by an awareness of their need. And you know what? The disciples waited. They were committed to doing what Jesus said. So they traveled back from the Mount of Olives where Jesus ascended to the Father. And they traveled back to Jerusalem, which is only about half a mile. And they stayed in Jerusalem, just like Jesus told them. And they waited. And during that time, they were gathering together. They were united in prayer, the scripture says. They ate together. And they did this for about 10 days. And then on the day of Pentecost, they were all together. And without warning, the Holy Spirit comes and fills the room that they are in like a strong, forceful wind, like a hurricane wind, fills that entire space. So earlier this week, I got dressed up to go for a run, and I was going to do it right before dinner, so I was getting stuff situated for, for the kids. And um, as I'm fixing, fixing dinner and finishing the last, touch mini last finishing touches, um, I turn around, all of a sudden, I mean, it is raining sideways, and it is gushing wind, and I start hearing things fly fly away in my carport, because it's kind of messy, and the pine needles and branches are falling on my roof, and I'm like, what just happened? I mean, I kind of saw a dark cloud outside, but bam, 50 mile an hour wind gusts just came gushing through. And I stayed inside, you know, because when there's that strong of wind happening here, we avoid it. We stay inside. So this was a pretty intense experience, a strong wind that filled the whole space. And after that happened, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. What an experience that must have been. But, you know, the Spirit was already working in the lives of the disciples, okay? Because they had already been ministering alongside Jesus. They had already been participating in this kingdom ministry that Jesus was doing. But this, this experience was a being filled with power, a deeper infilling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And they were going to need it. Jesus was firm that what you've been experiencing the past three years with me is not going to be enough for the future. He said, you should not attempt to build the church, do ministry, or even be a Christian without the power power of the Holy Spirit. It was that essential. They were on no account to leave Jerusalem until they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You receive him when you believe in Jesus. But here's the kicker. We can 
and should ask for more, a deeper filling, more empowerment. And Jesus tells us of this asking in Luke 11, 9 through 13. He says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You are fathers. If your children ask you, you fathers, if, you ch- if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Of course not. Or if you give them an egg, do you give them a scorpion? So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is a picture of continual asking. You know, think about when you were a child. Did you ask for your, to your parents, did you ask them for one thing one time in your life and that was it? Just one thing? Heck no. I am a parent and I know that my children ask for a million things every day. But I also know when they're really longing for something specific. And maybe you as a child, you remember that like one or two things you really, really wanted and you spent a long time asking and waiting and wanting and desiring. You know, I like would circle it in the magazines that I would get from like American Girl Doll catalog. And (coughs) you really wanted that. And most of the time, we as parents, when we see that longing and desire in our kids, we want to give them that thing. It it brings us joy to see them have joy. So recently, um, we went to the pet store, you know, just to browse. And pretty soon, my oldest daughter, Ellie, was asking questions about the pets. You know, could we buy one? Could we bring one home? And I was expecting this, but I, I wanted to take her and to see gauge her level of interest before I just said, you know, sprung the, the idea on her and, and planted it in her head. And she was really interested. And so we talked about getting like a, a basic pet, you know, an easy, low maintenance. Let's just start out with the fish. And so we go over to the beta fish, um, you know, stand and we see them all there. And they're all on display in these little water containers. And there's little ones and bigger ones and simple ones and white ones and then beautiful colored ones, right? And um, we were really drawn to this one that was just gorgeous and looked like colors of a peacock, right? It was just beautiful. And so she picked it out and she carried it around the rest of the store, the rest of the time we were perusing. And we go and we pick out a tank and some rocks and some aquarium decor, and some food, and water cleaner, and the whole nine yards, right? And we bring all the stuff to the checkout. And after it gets rung up, Daniel and I look at each other, and we are shocked at the price. <laughs> and, and so the cashier kindly uh, obliges us and just says, okay, this costs this much, and this costs this much. And, and ha- as he's going through everything, everything seems to check out. Um, and then he gets to the betta fish, and he's like, oh, and the betta fish is $20. And I said, $20? And he's like, yes, ma'am. You know, they range in price from 3 to $20, and based on how many colors they have. And I thought, hmm, where was that sign? Where was that sign? I didn't see that sign. 
Now, of course, I didn't say that, um, and I just said, oh, that's all right. We'll take it, you know. At this point, I was committed to getting my daughter that fish because she had become quite attached to it. I mean, she had even named it. And so I wasn't about to say to her, oh, sweetie, you know, we are going to have to take Munston back over there to the shelf and exchange him for one of those, like, little white plain fish. No, I generously gave her that fish. Jesus is looking to bless our desire. He is looking to bless our longing for more. He says, ask, seek, knock, and I will generously give the Holy Spirit to you. So this, this involves us being intentional and being active and being expectant for God to move in our life and to wait for more of the promised Holy Spirit. I was also this weekend at Hobby Lobby snatching up some decor deals because they had um, 40% off of fall and Christmas decor. And I'm starting to get smart these, these days because you have to buy stuff insanely early if you want the cute stuff, okay? Because I have tried shopping for Christmas stuff in December, which is logical because December is Christmas time. But I will tell you, in December, the shelves are empty. It's like Christmas has already happened. It's like the grocery aisles when a hurricane is coming. You know, the bread aisle, gone, nothing. So this weekend, I picked up this. And you see this sparkly stuff at the bottom. That's called snow. I know we don't get a lot of it around here, but that's what the white stuff is. And when you shake it up like this, it's like the snow is falling from the sky. And it fills this entire globe, right? It's so pretty. My daughter loves this. And I got this one because I have a really nice one that's like an heirloom. And I don't want them to touch it and break it. And so this one, you know, this little Santa one here is, um, you know, they can break. It's plastic, whatever. It's fine. So um, there's a vineyard pastor in central Illinois named Putty Putman, and he says that this is what the filling of the Holy Spirit is like, that it's not a matter of being full or empty, but of being settled or filling the entire space. And he says this in his book, the experience of being filled with the Spirit is the equivalent of shaking up the globe. The Spirit who dwells within us is stirred up to influence every part of us. He is no longer affecting only a portion of our humanity. He is permeating our entire being. Jesus, he says, anyone who is thirsty, come and I will give the waters of life. Rivers of living water will flow from within. And he is talking about the Holy Spirit. Do you want that? Do you want the Holy Spirit to fill up the entire space of your being? Do you desire that? Jesus says, ask for it and wait and, and ask and wait. And you will be filled up like this snow globe. You will be shaken up. The Holy Spirit will permeate all of you. 
Okay, one place that we can start when we are asking for more of the Spirit is love. God's abundant love for you. This is the foundation. It's the foundation of our faith. And what's great is it's, it's within the Holy Spirit's job description. Okay, and we see this in Romans 5. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Spirit, he is here to help us experience God's love. He is here to fill your heart overflowing with God's love. Unconditional love and acceptance are yours. And this is really hard for us to actualize and experience. It is. Because the enemy, he uses a voice in our, in our head called shame to constantly remind us that something's wrong with us that we actually aren't made right with God or in our inner being. And then, on top of it, when we experience trials and difficult circumstances, when we experience deep pain and grief and loss and suffering, we, we somehow think that God loves us less or he's less connected to us in those seasons. And this is the battle, you guys. And this is the battle that the Spirit fights for us. It's his job to fill us up. It's his job to fill us with God's love, with strength and patience and love. Otherwise, you know, we just fall into this trap of self-effort, where if I can just do more, fix myself more, more self-help, more striving, more performance, the more things that I can do to make myself right with God, then I will experience his love. But that's not, that's not it. That's not what we're offered. We're offered overflowing love. That the Holy Spirit, he is in you to remind you of your true identity as beloved sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new the new life has begun. We're given a new heart. And our heart is no longer wicked and broken. We don't have to strive to fix this broken, sinful heart. Jesus, he already paid this enormous price to make us right with God and make us right inside our being. We have the righteousness of Christ. It is ours. We are made righteous. Diane Lehman is another vineyard pastor in Illinois, and she says this in her book, Hello, Holy Spirit. Here is our challenge. We need to learn how to live with our new hearts from Jesus. This takes time. 
since our minds and our bodies are not new, we have to learn new ways of living with new hearts from Jesus. So we have new natures. We have a new spirit within us. We have new life. But it's our job to train our minds and our bodies to live up to this capacity of our new heart and our new spirit. So so how do we go about that? How do we learn to live with all that's been placed in us in the power of the Holy Spirit? With his help. It's like the Holy Spirit is this personal trainer with us every day, encouraging us cheering us on, reminding us of truth, telling us that is a lie. Don't listen to it. That is shame. That's the enemy. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit is here to whisper constantly to your soul, you are mine. You are loved. You are my son and daughter forever. Nothing can separate you from me. The Holy Spirit, he enables us to live our new identity as beloved children of God. And he fills us with love, overflowing love. And then we, are, we can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Then things like love and joy and peace are coming out of us. And the Spirit then enables us to carry on the mission of the kingdom here on earth. He fills us with power to go out in the fruit of the Spirit and love our community and love our neighbors and love each other and teach people about him because we are living from this inner wealth. The the rivers of living waters are in us, and that's our source. And I really believe that the Spirit is coming in a deeper way. And, you know, we, we saw this at the conference. We just saw the Spirit move in amazing ways. And it's like the cloud, guys, it's on the horizon. I can see it coming. The Spirit is on the move. And he wants to fill us in deeper and more powerful ways if we're hungry enough. He's not going to force himself on us. He's a gentleman. Guys, if we don't want more of the Holy Spirit, I mean, we're not going to get more of the Holy Spirit. He's looking to come and bless our desire and our hunger for him. But he's there. So let's transition into some practical tips. Number one, what are your fears, concerns, or questions still about encountering the Holy Spirit in an experiential way? So, you know, some of us come come from two different extremes of backgrounds. You know, you might have had some, um, like, over-the-top experiences with the Holy Spirit, and it's kind of burnt you out. Or, you know, um, like, for me, for instance, you know, I've kind of always thought of the Holy Spirit as like, okay, he's like this inspirational presence that is supposed to kind of illuminate scripture for me and convict me of sin, but he's not this person that I talk to and interact with on a daily basis. And sometimes um, one of the barriers to experiencing more of the Holy Spirit is 
is just a confession that we have not acknowledged um, him as a person, as God, as part of the Trinity and the true role that he plays in our life. Um, but there's no shame in what our concerns or fears or questions are about encountering him. And so that's why I suggest, you know, share, share with somebody. Journal about it. Talk to God about it and say, you know, this is how I feel about experiencing more of the Holy Spirit. Or these have been my experiences, and I have doubts, and I've got to confess that I'm just not sure. Or I've had hurts and pains, and I need you to heal me of that. Number two, what are some struggles that you need the Holy Spirit's help with? So ask the Holy Spirit to be with you this week in just the most simple ways. Like when you wake up, okay, Holy Spirit, be with me today. And I'm going to wait until I sense you. Okay, now I'm going to go about my day. And, you know, I have this problem that I keep encountering. I have this struggle or I know this is going to be a hard day at work or a hard day with my family. Help me with that. And just in a little way, ask him for help and then listen. Listen to what thought might, might pop into your mind or look for what he might show you physically. Just look for how he might direct you when you ask for help. Just keep practicing little ways to invite him in into the moment in your details of your life. Number And number three, um, what are some new habits you might want to adopt to strengthen your new heart? So I, you know, I'm just, I really, really feel like this is important because a lot of times um, we've talked about, you know, we talk about moving the knowledge in our head down to our heart to internalize it. And that's, that's fine. But at the same time, I feel like, man, you know what actually needs to move more is what all the things that God has given me. He has given me everything that I need to live a spiritual life with him. And I need to move all of that new life to my head and retrain my thoughts to say, this is truth. This is what the Holy Spirit is telling me. I have to grab onto that truth and not let go of it all day long so that the enemy doesn't come and remind me of something else and convince me of something else and lead me into a spiral down a deep, dark path. So simple practices can help with this training of our minds and strengthening of our of our minds like gratitude you know just simple listing things were things that we acknowledge that we're thankful for each day um, I do really well with scripture memory um, or things like a breath prayer breathing in God and breathing out God and I have this really great resource that I like um, and there's like 60 spiritual disciplines in here, and it explains them really well. You can grab one of these on Amazon, Adele Calhoun. And um, just pick up a new practice, you know, that kind of helps jumpstart some of these things that we're talking about. So I'm going to invite us into a time of prayer and communion. And if you would all stand with me, we're just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would um, come this morning and fill us up with his love.